came out, uh, our intercessors led us in prayer today, and they continue to focus on, Lord, have your way today. We always want that. Uh, he's going to have his way. We don't make him Lord. We acknowledge that he is the Lord, and we submit accordingly. And it's just good to be reminded that this is his house. We are his people. Uh, it is his agenda. It is what he wants to glorify himself. Um, I don't come to church first to get something out of it where, where it's like, man, what did you get from church? No, what did I give in church today? What did God get out of my worship today? And so as they prayed that, it just caused me to say, you know what? We've got some things to say today, but today we don't need a sermon today. So the sermon that I have prepared, uh, we'll just start it next week, and that's all right. That's a, let the church say amen. Amen. We'll preach it next week. Um, but it's important that we share something with you right now by way of the elders report. We need to give you a report, um, as we do every year, just to let you know where we are as a body and where we are heading. Uh, Strong Tower is an elder-led, non-denominational Bible church. So we are an elder-led. Some of you come from churches that were deacon-led and on and on. But we are an elder-led group of uh, men who lead this church. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17, when it speaks of church government, it says, according to the New International Version, it says, the elders who direct the affairs of the local church well are worthy of double honor, especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. So we see from this that elders are to direct the affairs of the church. And so there's a real aspect of what we do, and that is management. Management of God's resources, but also we're to shepherd the flock of God. And in Strong Tower Bible Church, how we do our government, God gives us a lot, every church, freedom and flexibility concerning how they do their government. Uh, it, it, it's the function that's most important, that, that we do what we're supposed to do as a church, but we have a lot of freedom and flexibility to have different forms of government. We choose to follow an elder-led uh, model that we see in Scripture. And so as a result, uh, at Strong Tower, we have elders who are lay elders and elders who are staff elders. Staff elders would be Pastor Darrell, myself, Pastor John. Uh, the lay elders, I'll introduce them to you in a moment. But um, we have a job. And if you put the next slide up, it will tell you what we do. An elder is an ordained, spiritually mature man of God who shepherds God's people and manages God's resources in the local church. So that's what we do. And we compile what the Bible teaches about elders and how we lead by serving the church. We are to shepherd the people and manage God's resources. We are ordained. We had a desire in our heart to want this office, to want this place to serve, but there was also a sense of calling on our lives as well. We, we responded to the call to be elders. We, or, we were ordained. We went through a strenuous process so that we could lead this church to show that we are qualified to lead it. And, uh, and we are spiritually mature, and we say that humbly. We're growing, of course, in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So there are staff elders, those whose work is preaching and teaching. Lay elders, they may not make their work at preaching and teaching. They may make their work tent making, fishing, whatever. But some of us are paid to be good. The other dudes are good for nothing. And that's just how we work that thing here. 
as far as the pastors and elders. Now, by way of introduction, let me tell you who the elder team, who we are. Uh, number one, and I'm going to ask the brothers to stand because it's important for you to know who your shepherds are, your elders are. Uh, elder Gary Bell oversees our finances. Gary, would you stand wherever you are? Gary, amen. And then we have Elder Clifton who oversees pastoral care. Thank you, Brother Clifton. Amen. And then we have Elder Aubrey Smith who oversees intercession. Thank you, Aubrey. And then there's Elder Tyler Rhyme Chisel who oversees personnel. Thank you, Brother Tyler. And then there's Pastor Daryl Fitzgerald, our family pastor. Would you stand, please, my brother? Amen. And then Pastor John Reddick, who oversees our worship and arts ministry. Pastor, would you stand, please? Amen. And I am Chris Williamson. I am the senior pastor of this motley crew of brothers. Amen, amen, amen. That was a weak applause for your pastor. Come on. The way we do things, we meet once a month or as needed. Once a month or as needed. Um, and the way we make decisions, we have agendas every meeting, and we vote. And whenever we vote, we vote in unanimity. We don't vote as far as majority over minority. When we get together, all of us, we're all in or we're not. And so if one brother is not there, we wait because maybe the Lord is speaking to him that we need to be where he is or he needs to be where we are. But as we said this morning in the men's class, it's about being on God's side, not asking God to be on our side. So as the spirit is speaking to one, we believe he speaks to all. Um, I happen to be the first among equals. Um, we all have a vote in our group, but I have a different level of weight than the other brothers. I told him the other day, I do way more than all of you. But before the Lord, I have a little bit more weight as far as being called to be the senior pastor. So in moments, Strong Tower, where there is a stalemate, where maybe we just a gridlock, we, we, we need direction, the brothers will then look to me and say, okay, pastor, what do you think we should do? Sometimes I may even defer back to them because one of them, the spirit of the Lord may be on in, in terms of how to make a decision. But they do acknowledge that I'm the first among equals. And it's a, it's a big responsibility, and it's only because of God's grace that I'm able to do it. But they also hold my arms up, and I'm so grateful for this group of guys. Um, when we think about our church's staff, um, the church is both an organism and an organization. We are a body. Your body is a living thing, but there is structure to it. So if you were to just look at our uh, organizational chart, you see it's the elder team, and then there's the administration area, and then there are three compartments of our church, upreach, inreach, and outreach. We have currently 10 people on staff at the church who align themselves under these various categories. Seven of them are full-time. Three of them are part-time. Uh, under administration, there is myself, Keith Grigsby, who is our operations manager, Ruth Lloyd, our bookkeeper, and Tanya Franklin, our assistant, our, our administrative assistant. And, uh, and as I say that, um, man, I've got good news for you. The Lord is transitioning Tanya career-wise. Uh, she's a master's student uh, studying organizational leadership. And uh, so she is embarking more in that direction. 
And so this month, February, will be her last month working as our administrative assistant. But because she is so responsible, she was able to bring to the table the lady who's going to take her place, and that is Miss Rachel Bond. So I'm going to ask that Tanya stand, and if Rachel is here, would you stand? Tanya, would you stand? And where's Rachel? Where's right there? There's Rachel right there. So look at what God is doing. Amen. You may be seated. And just for those who may be wondering, there's nothing funky going on as far as she she's mad about something or we're not going to remain friends. She's not moving her membership. God has blessed us over the years to learn how to handle human resources, personal relationships, to do things the right way. Uh, not only the right thing, but to do it the right way. And we are a family before we are a corporation or an organization. And so we should be able to work through various career changes and all of that kind of stuff. Even differences we may have in how to do ministry, we ought to be able to do it. And we do do it well at Strong Tower. And so I want to thank God for that because it doesn't always happen. It hasn't always been that way. But I'm grateful for Tanya and the impact that she's made in the four years that she served as our administrative assistant. Uh, but then in Upreach, as I mentioned, there's Pastor John, and then there's Luke Sullivan, uh, the brother who was on the guitar. He's our band director, and so he keeps these musicians coming in here, uh, freeing Pastor up so that he can focus on how to lead us in worship and get this sanctuary together. So I thank God for Brother Luke Sullivan. Man, what a smooth brother. We, we call him the sage in, on the staff. He's got so much wisdom. And then under the inReach uh, paradigm. There's Pastor Daryl, who's over family, and then Christy McClellan, who is our women's director and Christian education director, and then the beautiful Miss Ebony Lovely, who oversees our children's ministry, and working alongside of her is Mrs. Kyla Jones. And then under outreach, we don't have anyone on staff because at this time, we feel that's all of our responsibility to do outreach locally, nationally, and internationally. And we have a heart, big old heart, for J.T. Moore right in our own backyard here. And so we serve there practically on a regular basis. But not only that, we have over 10 various missionaries that we support around the country, even around the world, through our tithes and offerings that we give to the Lord in this house. So there you have it, upreach, inreach, and outreach, how we are laid out as a church. And now at this time, I'm going to ask Elder Gary Bell to come up. And just fill us in. Give us an update on where we are financially. Reverend Bell, come on up, my brother. And as he's coming, he'll share some information. Following him will be Elder Tyler, who will let us know where we are as far as personnel. Now, if you have any questions, uh, you can come to any of the lay elders and talk to them. After church, before church, you can call them. Um, or you can email your question into info at stbch.org, and we'll make sure that the elders get it. And the reason why we give it to them is because they're here to block for the pastors. There are certain things we don't deal with. Gary is talking about money because not only is God, has God blessed him with that, and he makes a living handling, helping people handle their money, but you don't want your pastors handling money. We don't deal with the money here. Somebody ought to say amen. Anything just to keep us, to keep us above reproach. So some questions we're not supposed to answer. So come to our lay brothers if you have any questions about what you're going to hear right now. Thank you, Pastor. Appreciate it. Um, if we can put that first slide up. I'm just going to give us, just take a few minutes and let us know, uh, tell you where we've been as a church financially and where we're going. 
And I was sharing this with a couple of my kids as we were driving over to church, and one of them said, Dad, that's boring. And so I hope you won't find the uh, financial presentation boring. So our fiscal year goes from September 1st through August 31st of the next year. So this is the last year's fiscal year. So from August, uh, September 1st of 2013 through August 31st of 14, and you can see our total contributions were 1,151,000. And that is a praise because when we set our budget, our budget was actually 1,141,000. And so through your giving and God's grace, you, uh, you actually gave 10,000 more than we budgeted for. Amen. Amen. Um, and so you can see our expenses were 1301000 If you look at that and you see our we overspent by about $150,000. You don't have to be a finance major to look and say, hmm, what's going on with that? Why did we overspend and how did we pay for it? And so here's the deal on that. When we, uh, it was the fall of 2013 that we found out that we needed to leave the Y. And during, and so again, we searched all around, found this place, and there was some remodeling, some renovations, some just some repair things that we had to do here. We had to get new carpeting, we had to paint the walls, and just several other things that we had to do around here. Then when we actually moved, we ended up renting first, then we bought, um, and then the so we had the mortgage payment, which was a little bit higher, and the utilities are higher. Takes a lot to heat and cool this place, so. So that's why we ended up overspending. How did we pay for it? Several years ago, the elders got together and said, you know, it would be wise to have three months of operating expenses in the bank in case an emergency happens. Uh, you know, if giving were to drop, if the economy took a dive, it would just be wise and prudent to have that. And when the wise, when the wise said, you guys need to leave, we looked at each other and said, hmm, this is probably an emergency. And so we... Um, so we took that money in that emergency fund, and we used it to help with the transition over to this facility. Okay, so we can go to the next slide. This is our operating budget for this fiscal year that started on September 1st of last year. And so we'll go through August 31st of this year. And so we're budgeting total contributions of 1256000 and you can see in administration, we have 574000 which is the mortgage here, the utilities, all of the staff in the on the administrative side, then inReach, um, you know, all the things that Pastor talked about, 369000 uh, You see outreach there, 182000 outreach at 86000 and then contingency at 45000 But what is contingency? Contingency is, again, that emergency fund that we were able to use when the emergency came up. So we do have a little bit, not as much as we want, and so we want to be able to replenish that emergency fund so if something else were to come up, then we would have money to be able to handle it. And so we can go to the final slide. This, is a sh this shows our giving year to date for this fiscal year. So we go from September through January. You see the actual numbers there, um, 516000 has come in so far this uh, fiscal year. You can see how much each month. We need, on a monthly basis, $104,000, almost $105,000. And you can see the difference over on the far right-hand side. And so if you look down at the bottom, we're about $7,000 short so far this fiscal year. Okay, 
Now, when you look in the each month, you'll see some are way under in some months and some are way over in other months. And just by way of a little bit of explanation there, some of us get paid at different times throughout the year. Um, there's a big spike at the in the first uh, month of every quarter. And that what that tells us is that either bonuses for some people come out then. If you're in the music industry, you may get a royalty statement or a royalty payment during that time of the year. And so there's a spike there. And then in other months, sometimes they're, um, they're five weeks in a month or December, there ends up being sometimes people give to, uh, to make up for whatever they meant to give throughout the year. So that's why there are the fluctuations. And so being down 7,000 so far this month, that doesn't really concern us a whole lot. On behalf of the elders, we just encourage all of us to continue in the grace of giving. We know that we don't give in order to get because that's, not, that's the wrong mindset um, and that's really heretical. But we do know that scripture talks about when we do give, God gives back to us. And one thing we know is that he definitely has a bigger shovel than we have. So, um, so that's the financial report. If you have any questions at all, feel free to grab me, and I'm wel- um, want welcome to go through any of those. So I'll turn it over now to Elder Tyler Romchivel to talk about our executive pastor search process. Thank you, Gary. Good morning. As Pastor Chris said, there are a lot of staff that are either part-time or full-time who help make sure that all the important work that we do here um, is done in a way that gives God the glory. And so for sake of simplicity and for timing, we're going to focus on a new position, which is the executive pastor position. So if we could have the first slide for my portion. Over about the past four years or so, we have been trying to identify an executive pastor who would come alongside Pastor Chris and the other pastors to help lead this church. Um, We would like for this person to oversee the business agenda that we have as well as to shepherd the staff. So we've been without that person for about five years. That's been okay because over the past four years, we've had a relatively uneventful experience at this church. Not a whole lot has happened. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm kidding. Thanks. In case you didn't, that's called sarcasm. Um, So we've moved a couple times, purchased the building for the first time in our 18-year history. A lot of changes that happened with our church body and our staff. It's been a lot of weight that's been placed on Pastor Chris's shoulders and the other pastors. And so we feel that given the new opportunities that this building brings to our church family and the potential that we have, both in upreach, inreach, and outreach, we really need this person to come alongside the pastors to help. And so we have been, uh, let me give you an example of what we would like for this person to be able to do. A lot of times in the business literature, they compare a leader to a manager. And if you were imagine as a family, if we were in a forest somewhere and we're trying to get back to our ship, we're in the middle of a forest, there's trees all around, we've got to figure out where the ship is, right? The leader is the kind of person who scales a tree and sort of looks over the train and says, that's where we need to go, that's where the ship is, um, go there. The manager is the person who's on the ground leading the people to cut down the path and to lead the path, right? Over the past four years, in a lot of ways, Pastor Chris has been climbing the tree, looking, looking down, trying to manage the group, climbing back up the tree, seeing where we need to go, climb back down, manage it up and down, and that's exhausting. And so what he needs is someone who can be down on the ground implementing on a day-to-day basis what we need to get the important work of this church done while he can be 
in unison with God and, and be the visionary of where God can lead us. And it's just not possible for one person to do all of that. Many times as leaders, we are called to be both a leader and a manager. But you can't try to do both for an extended period of time and truly recognize the potential that we have. And so that's why we think this is important. So if we have the, the second bullet there is we've been using four C's to determine what this person should be able to do. In an effort to make our elder body reflect the diversity of this church, we want this person to have the four C's, a calling, competence, character, and chemistry. So the calling part is basically we want this person to have in his heart a passion for pastorship. They would continue to do that, even if it wasn't a strong tower. They would feel a need to do that. In Acts 4, Paul and Peter were told to be quiet. Stop doing what you're doing. And Peter says, it's up to you to decide if we should listen to you or listen to God, but we can't help do what we're doing. We want someone in this role who can't help but being the pastor. In addition, we want somebody who's had it on their heart to focus on reconciling a diverse church and has had experience in that way. They should be doing that, not just as Strong Tower, but have that in their past so that we know that they can come into this position and do that effectively. So that's what we mean by calling. The next C, I believe, is competence. I'm still on the previous slide. Yeah. So competence means, do you have experience leading people? This person would be over the day-to-day -day function of the staff, caring for them from a boss perspective, but also caring for them spiritually and walking alongside them. So that's what we want in terms of the competence for leading a group of people, but also we want somebody who has the financial ability to deal with those numbers that Elder Gary was just uh, talking about. But competence also means something else for a church like this. This is a very special church. It's a privilege for me to be part of it. And one of the things that I've learned is that competence also it means acknowledging where you aren't that strong, being able to reach out for help, being the kind of person who's willing to listen to understand instead of listen to respond. Let me give you an example of what that means. Many of you have had conversations with your colleagues, neighbors, friends, where you're trying to explain your perspective of some of the racial issues that have happened recently. And they're listening in order to respond to you. They're setting up their bullet points of argumentation. We need somebody in this role, no matter what their experience is, who will initially listen to understand your perspective. Because in that, then God can grow this person. If they've come forward with having it all figured out, then they're really not even beginning down that road, in my opinion. We all have a lot to learn when it comes to racial reconciliation, other forms of reconciliation. So this person has to have experience but can't have the attitude that they have it all figured out. That's an important part of competence. The next C is character. It's based on what Pastor Chris talked about, what the Bible says about the integrity and the godliness of that man. And the last one is chemistry. This person has to want to work with Pastor Chris, Pastor Daryl, and uh, with Pastor John. They have to be in sync. Importantly, this person has to be able to be under the authority of a black man. They have to recognize that whatever their background, this is the leader that we look up to and that we respect. That's easy when times are good and we're all in unanimity. But where there may be a little bit of conflict, ultimately, Pastor Chris has been given the responsibility for God on high to lead this group. And this person has to be willing to follow his lead and to trust him with that. Okay. That's a pretty easy role to fill, right? 
So next slide. We've had 25 applications. We've reviewed all of those. Most of them we haven't really gone past looking at their application, but some we've talked with initially. We've met at a variety of stages with four individuals, and we're now down to two individuals who we hope over the next several months we will be able to vet and that we will get to the point where we can bring forth a recommendation for offering a uh, person the position of being an executive pastor. The last thing we want to say about that is that once this person is identified, our plan is for them to step into this role and be in a period of a year where they are learning about our family and we're learning about theirs. There'll be probably a systematic way that we'll go through a review process. We'll see how they're doing because it's a pretty hard task to step into that role and to be grafted into this family. And so we want to have this period where they get to know us and we get to know them. So during that time, this person will be called an executive director. And if that review process is successful, then at the end of that year, we would promote them to be executive pastor and also ordain them. So we're being very cautious. And the last thing that I want to say is that I want to emphasize that these two individuals are still candidates. We are not necessarily committed to hiring either one of them. So I want to say on behalf of the elder body, we know how much stress, Pastor Chris, you have been under and Dorena, how much stress you have been under. And we appreciate your sacrifice on behalf of this church. We will do our best to find the right person through God's direction for this position. But the last thing we want is for the wrong person to be in this role simply to fill the position. We take this very, very seriously. Um, it's a way for me to show how much I love all of you and how much I love our pastor and his wife to get the right person. End of the day, only God can bring this person to us. And so I just pray that you would give us the wisdom to find this correct person. Thanks for your time, Pastor Chris. And now you know how to pray. And finally, um, just a few results from our survey that we took at the end of the year. The Bible tells us to know the condition of your flocks. And so we took a survey at the last quarter of the year just so that we can better understand who God has called us to serve. And so here are just a few of the results from the 217 of you who did respond to the survey. Number one, in terms of our racial or ethnic breakdown, as you can see on that slide, 47% of us are African-American and 47% of us are Caucasian. And then you can see the other family members also there. So we are still, by the grace of God, a legitimate multiracial church in the South. And so we want and, and look at that breakdown, still almost 50-50 black and white. We've got to give God praise for that. He is doing that. My God. Secondly, when we asked about your age, uh, the majority of us here at Strong Tower, 48%, are in the bracket of 21 to 40 years old. So we are still a relatively young church, but we thank God for the silver saints that he is adding to us, and some of us are slowly becoming silver saints because the next slide tells us how long we've been attending this particular church. Now, the national um, number is about four years as far as how long Christians stay committed at a local church. But here at Strong Tower, our largest number is between five and 10 years at 
And so, and many of you have been with us for over 10 years. So again, we celebrate what God is doing. We thank God for your commitment to be with us. But then next, where do you come from since we moved from Franklin? And when we were in Franklin, you all came from all over the place when we were in Franklin. It's kind of like a good soul food restaurant or a barbershop. You will drive to get that good food and that good haircut. So I guess you drove from all over the place to get this good food and what God was doing in this church. And so now that we've moved here, where do we come from? Well, 36% of us come from the city of Franklin. 25% of us come from the city of Nashville. And as you look at the various boroughs, Antioch, Brentwood, Columbia, Hendersonville, Leapers, Fort, Murfreesboro, Spring Hill, Thompson Station. So people are coming from all around. Praise God. And, and in the future, that may could tell us if we want to plant a church or assist a church plant when we look at where many of us are coming from. So these numbers help us. But then also, how long does it take you to get to church now? Uh, the majority of us, it takes 20 minutes to get to church, 42% of us. Uh, and then 32% of us, it takes 30 minutes. And so that's upwards of 70% of us who drive upwards of 20 minutes or more. And again, I got to praise God for your commitment to drive to come to meet the Lord at this particular house. Thank you for your commitment. Uh, we did lose some people who felt called to Franklin, but God continued to raise up other people who felt called to this ministry. And uh, as one of our members said to me, she said, you can have church in your backyard and I'll be there. You can have church in Hendersonville and I'll be there. You can have church in Dixon and I'll be there. And I thank God for that. Many of us feel that way because it's, it's not so much about where we meet, it's who we meet with and what happens once we've met with him. And there's something special that's happening. And, and Pastor Daryl and I, Pastor John, we are so excited. We really do believe, man, God is about to blow the roof off this place. And I'm not talking about numbers. I'm talking about effective ministry. Yes, we've been doing ministry, but he's about to do something we've never, ever seen before. And he settled us here so that we can launch out and be stronger. Oh, my goodness. The best days are ahead of us. And then uh, next, financially, talking about the money. Mm-hmm. I was told some of you didn't even want to do this survey because you didn't want us snooping around, you know, asking you financial questions. Uh, what do I mean? Let me see. How do I say this? This is off the script, and now the elders are getting nervous as I'm about to say something off the script. We're not snooping around to try to find out what you make or any of that kind of stuff. Again, we're just trying to figure out uh, how to set the budget, how to understand what kind of multi-economic church we have in terms of those who are upper income, middle income, lower income. So these numbers help us. Uh, and so financially, for the 217 people who responded, there was almost 7% who said they gave nothing at the church, 26% uh, that said they gave less than a tithe at the church, 50% who said that they tithe at Strong Tower, and then 17% who say that they give more than a tithe. And um, just so you know, there's an expectation that God has on us and that I have on my staff. Let me first speak about my expectation before I talk about God's expectation. Before any of my staff members are hired, we have a discussion. And it's not my goal to know what people are going to give specifically. I don't count the money. I don't look at who gives what because it keeps me clear. It, it keeps me away from playing to people and all that or looking down on people. It keeps me from being a legalist and, and a self-righteous Pharisee. But I do say to my staff, there's an expectation that 
you're going to give obediently to the Lord at this church. For how dare you expect the Lord to provide your salary through the giving of other people, yet you won't give yourself in this church. That's a hypocrite, and that's not going to happen. So we expect for you to give. And then for my elders, since we manage the affairs of the church, which means managing the money, there cannot be an elder who does not give obediently to the Lord at this church. For how dare we try to handle your money, which is God's money, and we don't give ourselves. So no, no, that, that's not going to happen. Now, when you join the church, we do say to you that there's an expectation that we have that you're going to grow spiritually, that you're going to serve actively, and that you're going to give obediently. And if all of us gave, we wouldn't have to worry about being in the red and, and all that kind of stuff. If all of us gave obediently the way we're supposed to give, we wouldn't have to worry about those things. And we can do a whole lot more for the kingdom. Well, according to the scriptures, God commands and he expects all of his children to give financially to him at the local church for the sake of expanding his kingdom. All of us have a responsibility to give no matter how much you make. Well, here's the challenge. The New Testament doesn't specify how much Christians are to give under the new covenant. It doesn't specify. So we can't put people under a law, not even the law of tithing. That's the old covenant. We're not under the law, but we are still under the obligation to give. But then the question comes up, Pastor, how much should we give under the new covenant? Well, before we talk about an amount, the scriptures is more concerned about the attitude of our heart. And that is the Lord loves a cheerful giver, a giver who recognizes that everything they have, it comes from the Lord and all of it is his anyway. So what a joy it is to give back to him a portion of what he's given to me. And so offering time is not hold up time, stick up time, depression time. It is a joyful time where you can say, thank you, Lord, that I get to give something because you've given me health, strength and all that I have. So, Pastor, how much should we give once I get my attitude right? Well, to grow in the activity of giving, Paul says, let's make it all about grace. Grace is the motivator to give. Grace is the motivator. So excel in the grace of giving. When grace has come upon you, grace should come through you. Give out of grace. Pastor, how much? Okay, if you need some kind of standard, let's use the tithe as a principle, not as a law. A principle. So if you make $100,000 a year, then you should at least give to God 10000 of that 100000 Was my math right, babe? Is that, is that correct? And so that's what you should give, 10%. That's a great place to start with in your giving to God at the local church. And then it's also a great place to launch from in your giving and growing in grace. So when you make your budget, which is why we have crown, I'm not crown, financial peace every year. We used to have crown. So many great uh, tools out here. But we teach all of us how to steward God's resources. Budgeting is one. And that's one reason why we don't have uh, money to give because we don't start off honoring God with the first fruits when we get paid. So more and more on that later. Join the class. Well, another aspect of the survey result, we asked you, are you willing to give sacrificially for the sanctuary renovation? And 76% of you said yes. 23% of you said no. So thanks be to God, the first phase, we didn't have to ask for a special offering. We are hoping that for the next phase, we won't have to ask for a special offering. What's the next phase? We're going to build a stage, a, a, a new stage, a little bit higher, 
uh, a stage that's round, hopefully, that has steps on it that we can use for an altar, that people can come up on the stage from that side, that side. They don't have to walk all the way around. This is a temporary stage. They're also uh, going to remove the baptistry, put it down in the fellowship hall, and we'll film baptisms and channeling in here when we're ready to have baptism services, but we need more stage space to be able to push the drums and the keys back so that we can enjoy all these great dancers that we have on the stage. Right now, big brother like me come up to the stage, I'm ducking around stuff, moving around stuff, so we got to fix the stage. Uh, we're also going to take up this carpet. Over here looks like a crime scene occurred. Uh, we've got blood spattered from the Bronco all the way into the house. And, and so we got to get rid of the carpet. We got to get rid of, I know y'all, some of y'all caught that. Uh, we got to get rid of the pews and put chairs and take those beat up pews that y'all are sitting in and replace them with these better pews. So there's another phase. And we're thinking it's going to cost between twenty dollars and $25,000. Not a lot of money to do some needed cosmetic changes. Uh, but if we do have to make a special appeal, we'll let you know. We'll give you time to do that. But let's hope and pray. Because what happens is when we have talks like this, the offering goes up. Just like last week when I say we need people to help serve, more servants come out. We all need a little push, a little encouragement sometimes. And so the same thing happens with money. So let's test God in this and let's watch him be faithful. And then the final slide of the survey is that we talked about midweek. We're still trying to figure out who and what we are. God is continuing to develop our culture. And so midweek, sometimes it's poorly attended. We can't get enough steam going on. And really the key to midweek is making sure we have enough volunteers for the children. So we're struggling to get enough volunteers for the children on Sunday, yet alone on Wednesday night. And so we've committed, we're not going to rush this process just to have Wednesday night so we can say we're having Wednesday night. So we have been doing once a month gatherings, and they have been a blessing thus far. And so right now it's pretty much across the board. Some of you would like to meet in areas in your homes, have morning Bible studies, once a month events, weekly Wednesday night. So we're just monitoring it right now. Uh, but the next thing we have coming up this month, the 25th, is our GDK Table Fellowship. We will do this in February, March, April, and May, and we're going to get together. Man, it's going to be great. So this month, it's black and white perspectives. So come on out. There's going to be a meal and all this stuff. You'll hear more about that. And then finally, the elders decided to vote yesterday after about three months of consideration to amend our vision statement. Uh, that Brother Taylor got up here and quoted by memory. We, we've uh, decided to amend it after all that we walked through this past quarter, and that is the new vision statement that will be on all of our materials and everything. It will now say our vision is to experience, explain, and expand God's diverse kingdom in the city and throughout the world. We thank God to be able to experience this. We walk in here and we experience it. our relationships away from church. We experience this, as Pastor Daryl said, this anointing that runs down the beard of Aaron, how we, we dwell together in unity. But then we expand it through our various ministries, outreach, how we live our lives. But somewhere in between, there was a disconnect where people need explanation as far as different races economic statuses and all that. And so the, the number one way to explain it is with this book. So we, we explain uh, the various challenges and obstacles we all walk through to maintain diversity. We explain it. It's important when people are asking questions. 
why this and why that, and that it's okay to have different perspectives even as we have unity in the Lord. So explanation. So there you have it. Next week I will begin the book of Titus. So if you want to pre-read and look at it, we will start the book of Titus next week. And now I'm going to ask Sister Stephanie to come up and close us out. Let's give her a hand as she comes. Amen.